You there? Hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone. Uh, <laughs> wow. Let's try that again. This is Red Flags and Red Cards, a podcast about racing, soccer, and everything in between. Well, hey, hey everyone. Uh, welcome to episode six of Red Flags and Red Cards. Thanks for making it this far. It's officially a weird day. Uh, Josh and I had a great show. It still will be a great show, but we had a, a prepared show for you. And as of about 10, 15 minutes ago, it completely changed. Am I right, Josh? Absolutely. Um, for both good reasons, um, which it's excellent to hear. So um, as I'm sure most people have heard, if you're watching this or listening to this, you've probably um, heard about the um, Bubba Wallace. There was a it was reported Sunday night that a noose was found in his garage area. Um, and then today the report came out that that was actually part of the uh, garage pull down um, handle. It was um, just a little loop on it, but it was fastened, fashioned in the kind of knot that a noose would have. Um, and so NASCAR released about 20 minutes ago its FBI report that um, it was not a hate crime, which is awesome. Um, but the negative is kind of the uh, um, now you're going to have basically two different, um, you know, kind of viewpoints are going to come out of this. You're going to have the more sinister viewpoint that this was a hoax um, that was set up, which um is, uh, is something that people were holding to already. Um, I saw a, uh, a post um, earlier today that was kind of pointed this out and said this is what it really was and was calling it this one big hoax. Um, or you can say that this was just a misunderstanding, um, which uh, given the kind of the times that we're in right now um, and kind of how outspoken Bubba is, um, it makes sense that people would be, um, there'd be a bit more of a heightened sensitivity to look towards things um, and possibly um, see things that you think are hate crimes um, when in fact um, the evidence shows that the this um, pull down bar was there last year when Matt Benedetto uh, was in the same pit stall or garage stall as well so it's a uh, it's definitely creates a weird feeling a feeling of relief um, because with the way things were set up you were basically saying um, if this was a hate crime, it was committed by somebody within NASCAR or Talladega Speedway. Um, and it's not, which is great news. Um, but now there's all these negative repercussions that are going to come from it, um, especially um, just kind of given the way it was kind of, which I don't know. There's can be discussions. I'm sure NASCAR will be do a great review of how they handled the situation, how they could handle it better in the future um, in a more timely manner. Um, but that's kind of where we're at with everything now. Yeah, we're all kind of walking with an extra guard with, I don't want to say like on eggshells, but we're all tense. So when something out of the ordinary happens, you probably naturally just go kind of the next level. Like you have a kind of more of a rash thinking. You don't take like the maybe maybe a step was missed before this got into the hands of NASCAR officials of, oh, hey, Joe, you know, that's a handle for the garage door. It's not a noose. You know, like whoever found it, you know what I mean? Um, I want, you know, that could have been just a misstep. Um, I'm not going to, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously, in this situation. Um, and it sucks because there's going to be so many people that are going to look at NASCAR and be like, you guys are stupid. How did you miss this? 
you know, Monday morning quarterback kind of thing, you know, all the Twitter warriors out there. Uh, I do want to say, though, that though, and, and Steve Phelps just, just touched on this, though it is good news, it's great news that this wasn't a hate crime. What's also cool is that hundreds of crew members and drivers supported Bubba yesterday. And noose or no noose, he he needed that. He's he's carried the weight of NASCAR for the past three weeks or longer uh, in trying to give NASCAR a positive light amongst the sports world. And I think that support coming from his driver, his 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 colleagues, if you will, uh, was meant a great deal to him. You know, like I said, had a noose not been found, it was something that he probably needed. I'm not trying to put words into his mouth, but. Yeah, that's the that's the positive part I'm trying to get from this. I'm a little irritated, but at the same time, I'm I'm really glad it wasn't a hate crime because th- that's stupid. Yeah, absolutely. And there's certain things that kind of help shape the context of why um, this was probably just addressed differently. So because of social distancing practices and things like that, you have the garage access to the garage is a lot more limited. Um, and they're spacing teams out more. So the goal is to not have, um, you know, necessarily as many cars right next to each other. There's fewer people in the garage area. Um, so where if you may have had um, a few more people discussing this or more people in the area that would have seen all of this, it probably could have been handled quicker. But if you're only having a handful of people um, and there may not be necessarily um, thinking about everything, because um, they're they're focused on certain things, and there's probably already, like I said, this sort of heightened sensitivity to um, any sort of threat that could come from the outside. Um, it definitely makes sense for how this could happen um, in this kind of context. Um, it also is slightly irritating because it's like I feel like it could have been pretty quickly um, explained. And there's even there's a tweet where. Um, somebody asked Matt Weaver, could it be one of these, you know, the door handle pull downs? And Matt Weaver said that NASCAR confirmed that it was not um, one of the pull downs. Um, and then it turns out, of course, that it, it was a garage pull down rope. And so that just kind of makes things a bit tougher uh. to swallow <laughs> and kind of it's like if you guys had just done a little bit of investigation yeah. it, at that moment, um, it could have this could have been resolved and it it could have not put such a because it's inevitable this puts a big black mark on nascar um regardless of whether or not it it was some type of hoax that was set up um i'm assuming it wasn't i'm assuming it was a misunderstanding but from the outside perspective it's going to be this this black mark that is on the sport for a long time um i have a, a fear um but like you said for the positives behind it just to see the support that people the drivers gave to bubba um, that was definitely a cool thing to see. Um, so that, from that perspective, and like you said, it's over the last three weeks, but it really has been longer than that. Um, because as ever since Bubba has been like racing in the truck series, he's been having these questions about being, um, the only black driver, one of the few, um, in the sport and, um, one of the few minority drivers, him and, um, there's just a handful now that kind of still in the sport that came through the drive for diversity program. It's like him, Daniel Suarez. And it was interestingly enough, Kyle Larson, but, um, Larson's not a part of that in NASCAR anymore. We'll talk a bit more about Larson later on. Yeah. It's, um, I'm kind of at a loss for words with it all. What we, what we witnessed yesterday was so cool. And mm-hmm. I, I was, I had tears in my eyes and then Mike joy, you know, he was, <laughs> anytime Mike Joy has a little crackle in his voice from getting choked up it can just kind of bring you to complete tears and I was like don't you do it Mike don't you do it and, <laughs> and of course he did 
but that was still just a big positive thing. Um, thank you to Jimmy Johnson for basically putting all that together. He sent out a mass text to all the drivers saying, hey, I'm going to go stand with Bubba during the national anthem if anyone wants to join me. And then Kevin Harvick pretty much said, I'll do you one better. How about we all walk with him and push his car to the front of the field? Which I was just like, yes, let's 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 continue this, you know, we're competitors on the track, but we support each other off the track kind of vibes that we're getting. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's the big positive thing I can get from it. The negative is going to be the um, Stephen A. Smith of the world who might completely rip this apart and just call NASCAR a joke. That's, well, that's yeah. the big thing I'm, I'm worried about. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's definitely just a it's it's going to be a weird time of you know and i'm sure while this was the end of the the noose investigation i'm sure this isn't the end of the nascar investigation um nascar for um to give them credit because there's tons of times where you can um rip on nascar and there will be plenty of times over the course of this podcast where we do rip on nascar um they do have this tendency to take serious investigating and looking into um why things happen the way they do um, and so I think they'll do a really good job of kind of getting to the bottom of this um, and improving upon um, the way they, they handle things. Hopefully there's nothing to this magnitude again, um, but I'm sure that NASCAR will learn from this and uh, continue to improve. Um, but yeah, a big, I think it was still a good step for the NASCAR community to um, show their unity um, that they're going to, we're going to, like you said, we're going to be there. Um, it's always been said that NASCAR is kind of like a traveling family. Um, and so it's cool to see a, a visible representation of that um, to the world, really. So definitely a cool moment, um, which was then backed up by an awesome race. Oh, my gosh. Easily one of the best, if not the best, restrictor plate race I've seen in a very long time. And I, I've, I've seen many other journalists say the same thing. Of It was just... It was just a good race. There were, I believe, 56 uh, lead changes uh, in the whole race, which that's just that's just, you know, when they cross the line and they get the new scoring or whatever. Mm-hmm. That doesn't include the passes that happen on the backstretch or, you know, turns, you know, in the turns. Um, so that alone was incredibly exciting. And just these guys had to deal with a package they had never dealt with before because it wasn't the same package they ran at Daytona. Uh, after Ryan Newman's wreck, they decided to, I can't remember exactly what they did. They did something with the spacers or something with the motor to slow it down just a little bit, about five miles per hour slower for a long time. Anyway, yesterday they averaged 198, 199. Yeah. I think the fastest lap at one point late in the race, they put it up and William Byron had the fastest lap at 201 miles per hour. Um, and that was, so there's the top five were all over 200, but they weren't substantially where it used to be like the top speed was 203 miles per hour. They were averaging. Yeah. Um, and there's just the reality that the faster you're going, the more the cars are spaced out and it's harder to get a pat to pass guys. Um, but that slower speed, um, really made for where no lane kind of had the advantage. Um, typically if you have a fat, if you have the fastest and best handling car at Talladega and you get to the lead, you can kind of maneuver things to where you can, by going up against the wall, um, it spaces things out in such a way that cars can't get a run on you. Um, and so typically you'd see usually in the middle of the race when people weren't as racy, but sometimes just for all of the race where they'd be lined up against the wall. Um, and the, at one point there was 
like a seven car line on the inside and that lasted like five laps and then they were back to side by side um i mean the penske cars were dominant um with the holding the bottom but there was always almost always somebody to their outside trying to get around them throughout the race um which made it very exciting all throughout yeah we never saw um like a complete 40 car train going around the racetrack at all mm-hmm. for 188 laps. Anyway, it was <laughs> great to see not a, a train and we didn't have a big one in Martins or excuse me, Martinsville, uh, Talladega and Daytona usually give us a big one, a huge wreck. And we didn't see that yesterday, which we are always waiting for it. Right. Yeah. And so that definitely added to, it added to the drama in a way. Cause there's, there was, you know, 35 cars on the lead lap, um, everybody was handling pretty well. The, you know, cars weren't, there was an element of patience. I think I saw where cars weren't aggressively side drafting. Um, but I think that was largely cause they didn't need to. There was a few moments where like one time Bubba and, um, Kyle Bush kind of worked their way from the outside from about six rows back to side by side with the leaders. And Bubba was doing a really good job of like side drafting and then getting a push from KB, um, but even then he wasn't overly aggressive. Um, you didn't really have any of that until, uh, coming to the line when there was cars going everywhere, which again, added to the excitement and awesomeness, um, of it. But then you also, it did calm down a little in the third, uh, and final stage because of fuel mileage, which added a whole nother level of awesome drama to it of who can make it, who can't make it. Some guys you knew were four or five laps short. Other guys they'd been saving and you're like, ah, it's really hard to save five or 10 miles, but they've been, you know, Almirola was at half throttle for 30 laps. And so like a few guys like that could, you're like, can they make it? Can't they? And it just, it made for a, a great, exciting finish. And then of course, um, at the end, gas wasn't really much of an issue thanks to the Jimmy Johnson spin. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you just had a, you just had a wild melee to the finish, which was wild. <laughs> I, I will say I, at first I, I say at first a year, years ago, I didn't like fuel mileage races, but the more that I've come to appreciate strategy and math, <laughs> I really like fuel strat fuel, fuel strategy races. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's just, you just don't know who's going to run out. I mean, I saw Matt Kenseth win at Pocono because Joey Logano ran out of gas, and it was the coolest thing ever for me personally. <laughs> uh, and it was just really cool to see that again yesterday because we don't see it a lot due to the uh, since NASCAR introduced the stages, I don't know, what, three or four years ago? Yeah, I think um, three. I you think, don't, yeah, four years ago now. You don't see that strategy as much anymore. Obviously, it still plays a factor in some way, shape, or form. You just don't see it as much. So it was really, really fun seeing that. And uh, Bubba actually ran out of gas uh, at that um, at that caution that Jimmy brought out. And he was pushed back to the pits by none, none other than Corey LaJoy. So props yeah. to Corey. <laughs> yeah, you texted me that Bubba's staying out. And I was like, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I agree. I was listening to his scanner and uh, his, his crew chief was... Was he and Freddie Kraft were talking back and forth? Freddie Kraft is Bubba's spotter. Uh, were like saying they were basically crew chiefing together. Like his crew chief was asking Freddie kind of what he should do, and I was like, "What are you asking Freddie for? You're the crew chief." <laughs> <laughs> it was it was absolute gold hearing them banter back and forth. But yeah, uh, they kept asking Bubba if it was uh, sputtering. He's like, "No, it's not sputtering." And they would pause, and Freddie would come back and be like, "You said it's not sputtering, right?" And Bubba was like, "Yeah." 
Like they're just like trying to be secretive about it. And I'm thinking he's definitely been sputtering for sure. He's lying. Um, but yeah, yeah he, he made back to the pits. There's several other guys that were like talking about like as there's when you're in the lead at Talladega, you're on the throttle the most. So you're using the most gas. And for a substantial amount of that time, the like lead pack guys were William Byron, um, Alex Bowman and Tyler Reddick. And both Bowman and Reddick were kind of like, we can make it. I'm like, no, you guys can't. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> there's not no, a no. chance you guys can make it. Um, but they they got Jimmy Johnson had that awesome run um, and he just came down to make the move and um, Harvick kind of misread it or it's just, it was just one of those racing deals and um, Johnson went spinning, which gave us a wild green wide checkered finish with Chris Busher shoving Kevin Harvick to the lead. And I don't think either one of them finished like better than ninth. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think Harvick finished ninth or 10th and Busher was out of the top 10 just to show how crazy of a last lap it was. Um, you had it was it's just it's so much fun at a place like Talladega because you had for the first uh, hundred and how long was the race? Two hundred and hundred and eighty eight laps. Yeah. Hundred and eighty eight laps for the first one hundred and eighty seven of them. You heard Eric Jones and John Hunter Nemechek's names men- mentioned probably three total times. And all of a sudden they're pushing each other. It looks like Hunter John Hunter is about to push Eric Jones to the win. And then it looks like John Hunter might pass both of them to win. And then both of them are wrecking, but still finishing <laughs> like fourth and sixth. And Eric Almirola all of a sudden is going to win, except Stenhouse moves up. And then Stenhouse is finishing third, going backwards across the start finish line. <laughs> and you're just like, what is happening? Wait, Stenhouse went backwards? Stenhouse. No, went... sorry. Almirola went backwards. Right, right, right. I was like, he was Stenhouse was, like, finished second by like two inches. <laughs> yeah, but Stenhouse, uh, Almirola came across Stenhouse's nose because Stenhouse was trying to side draft, and and Blaney just like went to bump with um, Jones, and he slammed into him. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> um, afterwards, they're like, "Why was Blaney so like depressed after winning?" And I'm like, "I think he didn't mean to slam into Eric Jones as hard as he did and send him flying into into the wall." <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ryan, he always like finds the the depressing part of a, of a good finish. Like every time he wins, he's like, yeah, that was, that was great. Like, dude, you just won at Talladega. Let's go. Come on. Be a little more excited. Um, no, I I was really glad he won. That was, that was good to see. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it was just, it was a great racing. I mean, and it's, it's still, it's cool because it still shows like, you know, the best drivers still spent most of their time up front. You know, you still had, Blaney and Lugano spent a lot of time up front. Kyle Busch was up there. Um, you have a few like super speedway specialists like Stenhouse that just thrives at that. But for the most part, you still have the best drivers being the best. And you have um, the pass of the year with uh, um, Ryan Blaney completely sideways and still passing um, whomever it was. Was it Stenhouse that he passed middle of the race? And like um, Kozlowski had him like, pointed to the infield and he didn't lift and completed the pass who is this i'm sorry i totally missed that i was looking at my phone oh no worries blaney uh-huh. that that pass when he got like turned sideways but he still completed the oh pass. my gosh yeah <laughs> sorry yeah that was um that was brackislavski yeah he was yeah pushed it and he got his hands were just you know his car's going left and his hands are looking right it was it was nuts um yeah, I forgot about that. Gosh, everything's overshadowing that save because that would have right. taken out probably half the field had he wrecked. Yeah. So it was just a it was a great day for NASCAR. Um, that is unfortunately um, 
definitely going to be overshadowed by the news today. Um, and I mean, even like Jeff Gluck's was it a great, good race poll. It's sitting at 94.7%, which I think would have it as the second greatest race ever under his, was it a good race poll? Yeah. Um, I think Bristol has it at 94.9. Yeah. 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 Oh so. boy. So many things are going to be skewed at this point. Um, but, um, it, uh, another, positive note from this weekend was that fans were back at the track 5,000 strong mm-hmm. um, that was really cool to see when when uh, when Ryan got out of his car in celebration at the uh, start finish line you heard real screams of people excited they were not generated from EA Sports right <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a real deal yeah and along with that there were a bunch of fans i guess they were bubba's family and friends or something from atlanta who came to the track and bubba went to greet them uh post race just up in the grandstands and it was really cool to see just it's crazy what 5000 people look like at talladega they don't look like anything it's just like little <laughs> right. like just like little ants just spread out across the, the entire grandstands but they were definitely made their noise, um, or Fox did a great job ma- micing them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably a combination of the two. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. <laughs> and then we're leading into our first uh, real deal doubleheader this weekend with uh, Pocono Race Saturday and then turning around and then racing again on Sunday. Yeah, we're so, doing uh, 325 miles on Saturday, I believe. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, like, something like, I think so, and then like 300 or 280 on Sunday or maybe the opposite. And then that's the only time we go to Pocono, and I am not upset about it. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. I think the shortened races are going to make this race a lot better. It's it's well overdue. Um, I've been to Pocono; like it's a cool racetrack. The thing that kills me about that track is that there's no grandstands in the turns at all. Like you just see Mm -hmm. them kind of come at you, and then they go by. You barely see them dive into turn one, which is such an incredible turn. It's a fast corner as well as a slow at same like you go into the corner at in excess of 200 miles an hour and then by the time you're in the middle of the corner you're probably at like 150 160 hoping you don't spin out because your rear tires are just going to come out from underneath you because of the banking on that corner and then you can't see yeah. them on the backstretch and you can't like see them in all the two, they're yeah. like it's too far away it's so <laughs> far away. and it's so like the the terrain is so flat you cannot see anything in the so it's just a whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. But alas, I mean, it's it's a it's a cool racetrack. You know, it's the tricky triangle. <laughs> and sometimes um, it produces really great racing. It does. It's a fuel miles um, track, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I think I think you're going to see uh, a, a Chevy dominance this weekend is what I'm predicting. I kind of hope so. As a Toyota guy, I'm technically a Chevy guy this year <laughs> and the previous years. But I really hope Chevy does something. I want to see Tyler Reddick get a win. Aside oh, from aside awesome. from aside from Bubba, right? Uh, and I, I like to see Ty up there. I feel like he's he's trying. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's trying. He's, he's trying. trying. I mean, he's in not as good of a car, so it happens. But um, we'll see. A big weekend for NASCAR. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it goes well with the doubleheader. Yeah. Do you think um, Stenhouse gets a win this year? That's a random uh, thought. He's in a Chevy. I don't know. You know, he's because he. Well, Bristol, I don't think he gets one before the playoffs unless he wins Daytona. Which Daytona's is the last race <laughs> before the playoffs. So he'll either win Daytona. If not, I could see him winning like Bristol. Um, I don't know, because they've been they've they've 
performed well. Um, yeah. Now that Stenhouse is kind of like he failed with Roush, I'm cheering for him. Before I like didn't mind him failing, but now that he failed, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that is. But anyway, <laughs> man. So yeah, we've got that coming up, and that's a big weekend. They've got Arca, so we'll see uh, old Haley Deegan out on track again. I think mm-hmm. the X, I think Xfinity is running as well. So yep. a lot yeah, of racing this it. weekend. I'm I like this whole compressed schedule thing. I'm very I'm very for it. I can't get anything done at home because I'm watching sports again. Right. But uh, I'm a fan of it. And because of all the sports, we had what returned this week, Josh? The EPL. And if you want to talk about compressed schedules, the oh, EPL. Oh my gosh. Is the sport for you. Um I think between uh what was one of the was the first game between Wednesday uh-huh, the last 17th. Wednesday yeah. and july 18th there's like six days that don't feature premier league games unreal that's it's not a bad thing at all no i forgot no. that there was there was a uh, two games on today i was able to catch most of both of them kind of in and out um but yeah it was an exciting exciting uh weekend they were kind of just waiting for liverpool to claim the crown at this point thanks to a draw against everton josh's boys in blue yeah <laughs> They they performed well. They they hung on in the first half, and then the second half, you know, it looked for a little bit. The first half of the second half, Liverpool was all over them. But then the better, all the better scoring chances were Everton. They hit a post. Um, there's a few moments where, uh, you know, you, you wish they would have done things differently that could have possibly resulted in a goal. But I I was pleased with the way they performed at home and happy to get a draw against the best team in the league and possibly world. Yeah. Because right now we're all just waiting. I was texting uh, my tour manager, who's a Liverpool fan, and I was like, he's like, well, it looks like you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. (laughs) He texted me like a little (laughs) three-year-old child and was like, I don't want to (laughs) wait. Sorry. But, uh, uh, yeah, so that and uh, Man City kind of beat down Arsenal a little bit, which I don't know if that's surprising anymore. Like, Arsenal's just not who they were. Oh, that's actually been a thing for a while. Let's be honest. Right. Um, but yeah, they beat them three nothing. Uh, Arsenal had a had a red card to their name. Thank you, David Luiz, who allowed, basically allowed two of the three goals for Man City, <laughs> uh, thanks to um, a penalty and as well as a, a deflection that he took, and it played into City's hands and got the first goal of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to kind of predict you know after such a long layoff um and there's been a few times where like in the few games i got to watch where you could see like touches were off or the biggest thing was stamina and kind of injuries and stuff like that um but on the whole i found the 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 play to be pretty pretty solid and engaging um especially for there not being an atmosphere of fans in attendance um i thought the the games were were pretty enjoyable um so far what do you think uh, I'm kind of back and forth on it. It's not. It's it's not quite MLS boring. I would say. Like I like watching mm-hmm. MLS, but after you watch like the Premier League all morning on a Saturday, and then you watch MLS that evening, you're like, eh, this is a letdown. Right. Um, I wouldn't say it's like that boring. They look. They like the the city game. They seemed a little lethargic. Um, they kind of just look like they're mm-hmm. kind of just playing a friendly. Um, a buddy of mine was like, "Hey, I saw your uh, your city guys won." I was like, "Yeah, won three nothing." He's like, "Yeah, I watched a little bit of it." He's not a soccer fan at all. He just wanted to watch sports. 
He's like, is it? They seemed kind of like everyone just seemed kind of off. Was that expected? I was like, yeah, that was that was definitely expected, just because mm-hmm. you know we haven't had a season in three months. Right. Um, alas, still great to see. I woke up at six forty-five to watch Aston Villa and Sheffield United draw. <laughs> But I did not care because I just kind of sat there and enjoyed the sights and sounds of uh, yeah. of the game. And um, I guess I yeah. I just expected them to be even worse than they were. Yeah, more so. I was I was I that was more. I was like, this is going to be really rough, and it wasn't as rough as I anticipated. So that was definitely good. I thought. I um, um I think that the the Bundesliga kind of gave us a little precursor if you're able to catch any of those games, uh, because. They were they were stating that home field advantage really wasn't a thing because there's no fans, and right. I'm I'm wondering if that kind of played in a little bit for a few of these games, um, kind of like the Tottenham United game that drew one to one. I don't know that game usually probably draws anyway, fans or no fans. <laughs> but uh, Brighton, wow! I'm just seeing this Brighton beat Arsenal two to one on Saturday. Man. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was doing helping with the wedding all day Saturday, so I missed everything that happened in the sports. You're doing a lot Saturday. of wedding things. It's like everyone's like, quarantine's over. Everyone get your wedding dates in right now. Right. <laughs> Fortunately, this was the last one for a, a while, a few months, um, I think. And I'm not I'm not really doing much in a wedding until November. So Oh nice. I just had to <laughs> cancel my buddy's wedding plans. My buddy has the wedding plans in August and I was like, Hey, um, that's my first show back on the road. So I'm not going to be able to come. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, exciting, exciting weekend. Lots of, um, a few draws. Let's see, one, two, three, four draws this weekend. And then um, a draw today with Leicester and Brighton. Tottenham beat West Ham two to nothing. Harry Kane had a really nice goal in that game. If you uh, if you want to go back and check the highlights. It was mm. pretty, pretty impressive. It was a nice pass from... Oh, I can't remember his name. Whoever it was. <laughs> a really nice <laughs> pass. It was like a nice through ball to, to Harry, and he just darted for the for the goal, and nice goal from about eh, 18 yards out. What I did see the highlights for was our boy Christian Pulisic doing America proud and sparking the comeback against Hey-o. Aston Villa. It's the only way I can cheer for Chelsea. Yeah, the comeback from <laughs> Aston Villa. Let's talk about that for a second. Oh, man. Um, did did Aston Villa strike first that game? Yeah, they were up one nil, and uh, Pulisic got subbed in in like the fifty first minute or something like that. Um, and he immediately kind of created a few, um, you know, good possession at least, and then he scored in the sixtieth minute. Um, and then Chelsea just had a really nice like lot of passing play that Giroud ended up finishing off two minutes later. Um, oh, so in yeah. just a, I did see that. a few minutes of him being in the game, um, Pulisic uh, made a big impact because he was, he was a part of that play as well. Um, and kind of spearheaded things for them. And they, uh, um, they went on to be victorious. So it's always good to see um, our young guys making impacts in Europe. Um, another one of our players, um, had some good play um, in Germany this weekend too, the young Americans. So there is hope for the future of U.S. soccer. There is hope. Hopefully we can get 11 good players for the U.S. <laughs> soccer team, which that actually made the news. Um, I don't have it in our show notes, but random 
they uh they are definitely in the running to be one of the host cities for 2026 world cup uh did what s- nashville is yeah nashville is sorry nice that's what i meant to say that'd be cool if charlotte had it too <laughs> yeah i mean charlotte's hosted gold cup games um yeah so it's definitely it would not surprise me but in another sense it it would surprise me because you know bigger cities <laughs> which is too bad because charlotte is that charlotte's such a cool little city yeah um it's and growing. we typically you know they've in the gold cup they've typically um hosted like south some of the um like uh like mexico's played here and get a huge fan base for that in charlotte um so and whenever they play and so it 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 wouldn't surprise me if charlotte got one um nor would it surprise me if they didn't um, especially in the, the first round matchups. So that's something, you know, six years down the road, but that's not too far away. I know. I'm like, so ex- I'm like so excited about it. I'm like, ah, oh, six years. Wait, I'll be 38 years old. Yeah, I can wait. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the Premier League real quick on the standings. We've got Liverpool hanging up in first with 83 points and Man City close behind with by 20 points, <laughs> 63. <laughs> And then we've got not out of it yet. <laughs> not, uh, not technically. That's a, that's really my dream is if Liverpool just loses out. Oh, wouldn't that be the greatest? Can they can they <laughs> still lose the cup if they were to lose out? I guess yeah, could, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, City, yeah, twenty points. You can make that up in no time. Uh, then we got Leicester in third with fifty five. Chelsea in fourth with fifty one. And then tied for fifth, we have well, technically we have United in fifth and Wolves in sixth, both with forty six points. The only reason United's in fifth is because of goal difference with 14, opposed to Wolves, who have nine. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm, I think at this point in the season, since we know who's going to win the title, is who is going to leave the bottom three? Who, who, who leaves and who comes up? Right. Um, I, haven't, I don't follow the Champion League championship. Um, so I don't know who the, the teams are that are going to come up, but the, uh, yeah, it's quite the battle there between, um, Watford, West Ham and Bournemouth, um, of who is going to, and even Aston Villa, um, who's only one point behind Bournemouth of which of those teams are going to be going down, um, to the, the championship division, uh, which is the, the number two league, I guess you could say in terms of like top to bottom of, um, the leagues in England, which Apparently, there's like 14 leagues, 14 level, 14 or so levels of leagues. In That's England. so much. That's such a dream, though. I think if I were to take a take like two months vacation in England and just go to so many, so mm-hmm. many games. Uh, I just yeah. pulled up the uh, championship standings. I'm kind of bummed who's at the top, except for one team. We've got first, we have West Brom, which, mm-hmm. OK, Leeds United, which I would like to see them come up. That'd be cool. And then we got Fulham. Well, Fulham, we know what you do when you come up here. (laughs) You lose, and then you go right back down. (laughs) Which, hey, whatever. Then you got Brentford, and then Nottingham Forest, which I'd be Mm. cool. I'd be cool seeing them come up. Sunderland's not anywhere in the mix. I think they're still in League One. Are they? They're waiting. Oh, they're down there. Did you? Did you not? Did you not finish the uh, documentary? No, I haven't. (laughs) But I will. I didn't realize they dropped down another level. Um, just because I don't follow. Like I said, the championship as much. Gotcha. Um, wow, there's a lot. That's something of, I definitely need to follow. Um, Middlesbrough, who were just in the Premier League not too long ago, am I right? Yeah. yeah. They are 21st out of 24 teams, 
And Stoke City is 18th. Huddersfield is 20th. Wow, this is amazing. I want Sheffield Wednesday to get up in the Premier League. That's mm. that's how I want to see. But just so you know, any listeners out there that have a little bit of money, if you want to own a Premier League team, you can just go over and start a team and just slowly work your way through like the 14 leagues until eventually you get to the Premier League. Just be prepared to spend billions and billions of dollars. <laughs> of money you don't have. <laughs> right. Best and case then, scenario is just find a friend in the Middle East who owns an oil company and start a team. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll get arrested for tax fraud or something like that at some point, but that's just part of it. <laughs> yeah. No one's done that. No one's no. being investigated for that at all. No, definitely not Everton's manager. Um, <laughs> Is that current? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I thought we were going with Man City here. Oh, my gosh. Well, that too. There's oh, a, there's, it, it happens all the time. It's a pretty regular thing, and um, money solves a litany of issues. So, <laughs> so, so I've heard. <laughs> yeah, I don't speak from experience, but mm. uh, but yeah. So Premier League's going strong. So um, if you're looking for something to do any day, just check, and there's probably a Premier League game on. Yeah, definitely. You can probably watch it. Yeah, we've got uh, tomorrow. We've got Norwich, Norwich versus Everton at noon Eastern, and Wolves versus Bournemouth at noon Eastern. I'm pretty sure the Everton game is uh, on NBC Sports Gold, I believe. Of course. And uh, <laughs> United versus Sheffield United, Newcastle versus Aston Villa, and Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. So, yeah, if you're not doing anything during lunchtime, sit down, watch a game, text us if uh, if you have any questions about what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but moving on, uh, good old Major League Baseball is back in the news with uh, a decision on what to do with the season. Right. After the strangest and probably worst set of, uh, um, you know, going back and forth about what to do, uh, they settled on um, something, a deal that's uh, not great for the players. But you know what? They're going to be playing baseball. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this agreement dates back to March 26th when this whole thing started. Right. <laughs> um. And this is what it looks like. Uh, 60 games. Oh, wow. Sorry. 60 games beginning <laughs> around July. Did you hear that? <laughs> yes. A nice little uh, rim shot there. And a yeah, that was <laughs> a symbol. That was, uh, it's like you told a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. I don't, have to, <laughs> I don't have to put that sound sound effect into right. the uh, podcast. So for the MLB season, we have 60 games. Uh, opening day looking like July 24th. Spring training or more like it's hot as hell spring training july 1st mlb asked the mlbpa on monday whether players will be able to report to training in their respective cities within seven days by july 1st so number of teams in the playoffs will be 10 and i'm assuming That's... we're not gonna have an all-star game <laughs> yeah probably not but it's gonna be exciting it's gonna be a sprint um you know i was listening to sports radio earlier and they were talking about um, how typically you have, you know, the first month of the season where the Mets are really good and then the inevitable drop off. Well, now, if they're really good for the first month of the season, they might be OK, <laughs> you know, in different situations like that, where baseball is a sport where a team can an average team can get hot. I mean, see last year's Washington Nationals um, where you can kind of. Well, I guess the Nationals had great pitching, didn't they? Always. Um, so 
<laughs> that might not be a perfect example, but a, a good team can just get hot and get in a rhythm. And if you do that over for a month, you could be in good shape to make that 10 team playoff. Yeah, it should be really exciting. Like I was saying earlier, this whole compressed schedule, go, go, go type of uh, sporting that we're seeing right now is is really exciting. I mean, there's already a lot of baseball with a regular season, you know, with normal normal 162 games. So everything compressed down to 60 games, it's going to give these teams a lot more pressure to do well consistently um, because you're not really going to have a, a time in the year where you can, you know, drop 10 games straight and recover from it but it will also be interesting because this will be the first time that um, major league baseball will have to go up against nba playoffs and uh nhl playoffs in the midst of kind of their regular season and stuff like that i know normally you know any crossover happens towards the beginning of the baseball season so it's not as much of a competition um but now you're going to be in the the heart of their season and it's going to be interesting having so many sports that don't usually go up against each other going up against each other leading into of course you know wherever football's at with preseason games however they handle that it's going to be it's going to be an interesting few months of uh every sport kind of going on at once possibly um which should be fun to see yeah for sure um speaking of other sports uh nhl today has narrowed their two city hub thing (laughs) to six cities and two of them i just do not agree with they just seem so silly to me uh but i'll name them off here this is according to uh, good old espn Las Vegas, Chicago, L.A., Edmonton, Toronto, and Vancouver have made the cut with Pittsburgh and Dallas eliminated today, and Columbus, Ohio was eliminated on Monday. The two cities I have a problem with here are Chicago and L.A. because Chicago uh, is under strict, strict rules with uh, quarantine and just handling the whole COVID-19 thing, and L.A. is L.A., with the whole COVID-19 thing where they're, right. they are also strict. So I have my only guess with those is that that could be more of a money thing. Vegas makes sense because they have the best ice in the whole league and it's the middle of the desert. Uh, Edmonton, Toronto, Vancouver makes sense because it's Canada. So yeah, I don't, I don't really see the, see where they're getting Chicago and LA. I'm sure someone smarter than I has a good reason. I think the big thing, I think it's pretty much decided that it's going to be Vegas and Toronto. Um, They kind of cleared the hurdle that they needed with um, Toronto for that to be a host city. Um, And Vegas is definitely the front runner. The biggest thing is they're trying to leave every option open until the last moment, just in case something happens. That makes Um, sense. So that's kind of where my understanding of where things are at. But basically, it's going to be the Western Conference is going to be in Vegas, um, and the Eastern Conference is going to be in Toronto, unless something happens, um, which is still possible. But that's what what I'm assuming and counting on happening. So good for Vegas and Toronto. Um, Yeah, for sure. I guess, you know, cool for the other cities to stay an option. Um, But I think I'm 99% sure that that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Let's just bring it back. I'm ready for it. Yeah, just for, absolutely. I, I, last week, uh, what was I watching? I was watching. Oh, I was watching Supercross, which is perfect because we'll dive into that here in a second. I was watching Supercross, and it was over. And um, what was it? What came on? Oh, Edmonton versus Chicago 
a replay hockey game came on and I left it on mm-hmm. for a whole hour just to hear it. I turned it up and everything. I went and made dinner. I just wanted to hear the the sounds of hockey again. I'm pretty I don't even know who won the game, but I left it on for an hour and it felt it felt good. And then I realized this is not reality right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but Supercross uh, finished up its season this weekend. Uh, Eli Tomek got his first championship. Zach Osborne got his first ever 450 main event win, which was really exciting for, for both those guys. Uh, Eli's been fighting for this thing. He's the oldest uh, rider to get his first championship at whopping, tw- a whopping 27 years old. He's mm-hmm. also the first to be a dad and get his first championship, which is really cool because he got the championship on Father's Day. So a lot of cool, a lot of cool stuff there. Mm-hmm. And Zach Osborne is just from a little town outside of Bristol, Tennessee, uh, Abington, Virginia. Mile marker sixteen on I eighty one. I've been there a few times. <laughs> uh, so that was that's that was really cool to mm-hmm. see. Um, props to Utah, Salt Lake City for. For being a great host and for those who had to create, what, seven different racetracks. And they just did such a great job each time. Like every layout, I was like, this is a great layout. This is a great course. Everything was challenging. You got lots of great racing all throughout it. Um, I think I was able, there was what, seven races, eight eight events mm-hmm. they had. Um, I think I was able to see about four or five of them and all of them were just excellently done. Um, great racing. And like you said, Tomac was just... Uh, it was just great to see him finally um, seal the deal, get a championship after um, like he has like 30 career wins. Yeah, um, just has a really impressive career in and of his own right. And so that just kind of puts the cherry on top of what was already a great career. And I mean, he's not done, but no, <laughs> um, he's not. It's uh, it's just been it was great to see. Um, Roxon had a good year. Webb um, had a good year. It was fun kind of watching those three go at it all uh, the last few months. But yeah, Eli definitely deserving uh well earned um and i was very happy to see him him clinch it yeah totally the the tracks um like you said just impressive and challenging for just you know the altitude it's dry just a lot of different variables that made the racing challenging let alone the rate the the course itself and uh, if you need more if that you know just wasn't enough excitement for you there is more uh, dirt bike racing coming up, I believe, uh, July. What did I say? I think it's July 18th, I believe, is when they're pers- um, prospecting to, to start back up. Motocross, which, mm. if you're not familiar, is the outdoor version, even more outdoor version of Supercross. Uh, the courses are a lot stadium as Not in a stadium, thank you. Uh, <laughs> the courses are a lot longer, and they um, a lot more spread out. And I believe... Uh, I believe Roxon will be participating in that. He he participated last year, and I believe uh, there's a lot more of it being televised this year. I think NBCSN has picked up a few of those races, which I came to find out one of those races is in Tennessee. So huh. I might have to go check that out. I believe it's at the nice. end of July, so I have to go check that out. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of all the all the headlines and stuff. I think it's time for Josh's favorite segment. It's my favorite yes. segment. <laughs> Play on yellow card, red card. Um, and so in this segment, what happens is I issue out a statement to Nick um, and he either, if he agrees with it, he says, play on. Yeah, let's, that's, I agree. Um, if it's, if he kind of agrees, but you know, eh, it's iffy or there's a caveat, um, then it's a yellow card. And if he's like, no, that's, I disagree completely. Um, it's a red card. So, um, this week it's a 
predominantly um, looking at a couple different uh, across sports, but yeah, a couple of racing ones we'll start with. Um, the first one, did you get to see any of the ARCA race or any of the ARCA highlights? I watched one lap, and then okay. I had to do some other things. Gotcha. Well, I'll, uh, um, if you haven't seen the Michael Self save, you should bring oh, it up Oh, I did see that. Okay, perfect. I did see that, yes. So the question is, the Michael, or the statement is, the Michael Self save was the greatest save in stock car history. Ooh. So to put this in perspective while Nick thinks about this and watch <laughs> the replay, he got spun out and was facing backwards on the track and he got hit and it righted and he just kept going like nothing happened and he finished like fourth or seventh or something like that. We're saying stock car history, right? Yes. I'd say play the, on. I'd say play because the banking at Talladega is 36 degrees. His nose hit the apron, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, that may have helped him spin back around, but the way he did it, it was almost like a glitch in a video game, how quickly <laughs> the car responded and then he kept going. So yeah, play on. That was, that yeah. was incredible. Mm-hmm. All right. So second one. Um, so Kyle Larson, who was, um, uh, indefinitely suspended from NASCAR for using a racial slur on iRacing earlier this year. We've touched on that earlier um, in one of the podcasts. But um, anyway, he completed um, sensitivity training and was able to get back into the world of sprint car. So over the last two weeks, um, so first off, between World of Outlaws, All-Star Dirt Races, and then the Indy Midget Week, which is a week long of racing events across around the state of Indianapolis. Um, Kyle the state Larson, of Indianapolis? The state of Indiana, I guess, <laughs> or the city of Indianapolis. Sorry. <laughs> no I mean, worries. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, over the course of that week, uh, or leading into it, he won eight straight dirt races. And then during Indy Midget Week, he went on to win four of the six dirt races and finished second in the other two. It was the most dominating performance um, in the Indy um, Midget Week history um he tied brian clausen the late brian clausen who passed away a few years ago um for the most wins ever in that two of those races he came from 14th and 15th which is really difficult to do in short dirt track races um to win those races so the question or the statement i have here is as of right now kyle larson is the best race car driver in the world Oof, yellow card yeah um Oh, in the world. Good grief. Yeah. <laughs> I like to point out that Josh really makes me think on these questions. And, there's, and, the, and that's for good reason. Like, I don't want to see these these uh, these questions or statements beforehand. Best driver in the world. I'd like to see him in something else. Like, see him maybe in an open-wheeled, like an Indy car. I mean, heck, a lot of Indy car racers come from sprint cars. Uh, uh, it's kind of a... Mm, that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. I'm gonna. I'll say yellow car, but he he knows how to wheel a car. Uh, he did it. He did it in NASCAR. He just he knew how to take a, a loose car and hang up, hang out on, at the top, and just wheel it around the racetrack, and you know either win a race or almost win a race without hitting the wall, or would hit the wall. Oh man! So you're yeah. saying he's in the running for the he's best in the running. That's that that would be why you're, I give it a yellow card. Yeah, you're not ready to commit, but yeah, you could you could see it. <laughs> yeah, what would you give him? 
I think so. Um, just because of the way you have to drive, the way you have to wheel a dirt car um, is just there's so much skill and talent involved, and there's so many great drivers that are in these events, and he hasn't been doing it full-time for a while. I mean, he's raced in the off-season and stuff like that, but he steps into this full-time and is just winning everywhere he goes. Um, and then on top of that, you factor in um, just how much Matt Kenseth has struggled and how good Kyle Larson was doing in that car prior to it. Yeah. Um, I think he was just getting so much out of it. David Smith does these graphs that just kind of show, you know, how good a driver is on restarts and at passing in general. Um, and there's always like some drivers have strength in maintaining and improving on restarts, but they're not as good at passing throughout the race. Or some guys are better at passing on the race, but not as good at restarts. Kyle Larson's graph was like, he was the best at everything. Oh, um, wow. In NASCAR. It's just, it was incredible to see. And so I think as of right now, um, I mean, it's hard to really compare F1 to dirt car, you know, and stuff like that. There's That's some fair, phenomenal yeah. drivers in that. Yeah. But I think if, if somebody said right now, you know, you have to tell us who's the best driver in the world, I'm going to say Kyle Larson because I think he could adapt quickly at any car. Um, all right, next one. So baseball going to a 60-game regular season will make for an exciting sprint. Um, but one of the things long thoughts I've had is that most seasons are too long. Um, and so I think that MLB, NBA, and NHL should all reduce their regular seasons by about 20%. Um, do you agree with that? Play on yellow card, red card. Mm. Mm. Uh, I'm going to split these up. Play on, play on for NBA. Shorten it up a little bit. Yellow card. No, red card for NHL. I can't have enough. Like <laughs> when when June. Oh yeah, nothing. Well, when June's over, you know that usually went like that first week of June is usually the the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. When that's over, I'm a little bummed out. I'm like, well, it's over. But I kind of can take a deep breath and wait for October. So I'll put a red card on NHL, yellow card on NBA, uh, MLB. Uh, play on to shorten it up for sure. Yeah. Yep. It's too long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, baseball is kind of the one sport that outside of pitchers, you can get away with playing almost every day. Um, But I just think that the NBA and NHL sees higher quality of play the more days they get off throughout the regular season. But um, I get that that will never happen primarily because of money. Less games means less money. Both the NHL and NBA have 82 game seasons. Um, I think both of those would be better around 60 to 65 games personally. If they're going to shorten something up, I think that uh, a shorter um, or the early rounds of the playoffs could be shorter. Maybe do like a best of three. That's what makes the college road series. So exciting. You only have, Mm -hmm. you know, three games to prove you can move on. And yeah, that's fair. So the final um, question is uh, So looking at the EPL, we talked about how compressed the schedule is where teams are playing so many games between now and July 18th, um, and then they all get a nice week off before the last day, game of the season. Um, but given the compressed schedule, um, teams that are kind of not fighting for anything should treat this more as a training camp and not really worry about results as much. Yeah, play on. Um, we're going to have a quick turnaround to the 2021 season. So, I mean, maybe try something new. Um, don't don't um, overplay your players. You've got five substitutions now, so use yeah. them. 
Um, take care of your guys. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hurt yourself. I agree. I agree. And so that does it for our play on yellow card, red card section. Um, trying to come up with this challenging a question as i can for neck each week yeah it's fun <laughs> like i'm just kind of sitting here dismiss just like uh anything yeah. you want to rant and ramble about it's been a weird hour because of all the weird news that's been happening yeah so um as you guys listen to this you'll you'll see a common thread of what my favorite sports franchise is is the buffalo sabers because i will probably use this time to talk about them most um, <laughs> I think I talked we'll about call this. Last we'll week. call this the saber section, <laughs> the saber <laughs> section. So if you want to know what poorly poor management looks like, look at the Buffalo Sabres this week. Um, so last Tuesday I mentioned on here that they, um, they fired their GM and a bunch of other people. Um, well, by the time Wednesday ended, they had fired 23 employees, um, reducing both their NHL team and their AHL team to really skin and bones. Um, but here's what? the, <laughs> yeah, there's they went from like 24 NHL scouts to like or scouts to like 11 or 12 or something like that. And they they cleared house, basically, Wow. Um, which there's a lot of issues with that. But here's the kicker for how when, you know, you're probably not running your management too well. Um, they fired their head of hockey IT, their hockey development IT person. Um, they fired him on Tuesday um, and then Wednesday. Um, and like they Wednesday and Thursday, they were like, why hasn't this person been showing up for work? And well, it was because they fired him and did not mean to. And so <gasps> they rehired him on, I guess, Wednesday or oh, Thursday. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you're uh, if Oof. you're running a sports department or any company of any sort, I would recommend um, being sure you really want to fire somebody before you fire them. Um, fortunately that guy was gracious and came back. If I was him, I might've been tempted to be like, forget you guys. Yeah. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to Toronto. (laughs) Right. Uh, did you know that you and TJ majors share a, uh, a A love for Buffalo sports? I'll say a love or disdain, whichever way you want to put it for Buffalo sports. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo, it's kind of uh, to say one is to say the other. (laughs) (laughs) you love them and it causes you to disdain them at times but you know as soon as the season begins i'm all about the blue and gold for buffalo sabers and um love me some bills as well yeah we'll see what they do uh this season for sure (laughs) well cool folks um i'm going to the first race uh of the season at fairground speedway on saturday so i'll be sure to put some stuff on the instagram didn't that. that just get postponed? No. That's not the one that just got postponed? You mean like within the last couple like hours? Like last few hours? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 I was like literally getting ready to buy my ticket. Like not kidding. I uh, I read something that because of uh, certain rules or because of the what whatever it was, they were... Um, Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, they just posted this. Well, good thing about my ticket, because I will not be in town. Mm. July 27th race at Nashville postponed until July 4th. Opening, that, wow, I'm so bummed right now. Sorry oh to my, be the bearer of bad news. It's there. okay. <laughs> I'm so glad you told me this. Well, that sucks. Yeah. All right, well, on that note... <laughs> I'm Nick. And I'm Josh. (laughs) And uh, we'll bring you some better news next week. (laughs) 
<laughs> Bye. <Hopefully>. Bye. <laughs>